Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Welcome back to another episode of Kindled Podcast, a show about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Join me as I talk with women just like you. They are entrepreneurs, corporate employees, stay-at-home moms, and everything in between. We chat about work, mom life, and how God's grace is transforming us through our unique and beautiful stories. Love for God and perseverance for our assignments is kindled in our hearts as we look to Him and preach the gospel to ourselves and each other. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Kindled. I am your host, Haley Williams. Today I'm going to be chatting with my friend Abigail Dodds all about what it means to be a woman in the year 2019, in today, our present current age. If you're listening, you are likely a woman living in this present time, unless you are listening like 100 years from now, and it's not the present time, in which case... I'm not sure what to even say to you. But if you are living in the year 2019, and that's when you're listening to this, then I think you're going to find this conversation really um, encouraging and truth-filled. And I hope that your heart and your mind will be pointed back to the author of life and the perfecter of our faith, and not to any other definition of what it means to be a woman or to be alive and even a human being in this, in this age. So feels very cerebral and very heady, but I promise you we get into real practical questions about work and motherhood and balancing all of the various roles that we play as women today, uh, living, living today. I feel like I'm repeating myself. So I'm just probably going to let Abigail do most of the talking here, but I loved this episode and I think you will too. So enjoy. Abigail, thank you so much for being here on Kindle today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to listeners and tell us about your motherhood and introduce your family. Yeah, well, I'm Abigail. Like you said, I'm married to Tom. Um, We've been married 16 years now. We've got five kiddos. Our oldest is 15, and then it goes down 15, 13, 11, 8, and our youngest is five. So we've got a, a range going um, our youngest has special needs, some disabilities being too. That's really shaped our family in some <clears throat> significant ways that are really gracious from the Lord and wonderful. Uh, I guess I could say that I, I homeschool them two days a week. So mm. I love that blend because uh, it gives you like flexibility, but also the formal instruction that I, I think would be very challenging for me personally to have the patience to to deliver every single day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, so then tell me about your work. Yeah, well, I would say most of my work is in the home primarily, but what that looks like is, of course, the normal things you would think of, meals, house, um, instructing the kids in school. But then I, I have written this book now, I serve uh, at our church, our women's ministry leadership team. So I do some just help with planning of events and things there. Uh, I've written Bible studies for our, the women at our church. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Oh, I guess I'm a student. That's a big part of my work right mm-hmm. now. I'm a, I'm a student at the seminary connected to our church. It's called Bethlehem College and Seminary, mm-hmm. and I'm getting my master's in exegesis and theology. And so a whole ton of my time right now is spent studying yeah, that's so cool. When did you um, start going back to school? Yeah, it just started in August this past year of 2018. So it's a two-year program. So they kind of load you up heavy and get you through quick. And that's what I'm hoping for. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Well, today we're going to kind of use your the book that you just wrote that you mentioned, Atypical Woman, as kind of just the springboard for a conversation about what it means to be a woman today, and more specifically, a Christian woman, um, mm-hmm. since the audience of Kindled is um, largely believers and largely women. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I think this is a really pertinent conversation for us to be having. It's it's maybe mm-hmm. one of the most important conversations we can have. And yet it is also one of the hardest, I think, mm-hmm. to have, especially as Christian women living in the year 2019. It's really challenging to talk about what it even means to be a woman, just the definition of being a woman. And I I think that you do a really good job of kind of representing like just the traditional biblical stance of what God says is true about women and is true about his people. So why did you write the book? You answered it perfectly. Yeah. All the reasons you just said, some of those reasons originated, they really originated in my own heart, Uh, Mm -hmm. wrestling myself as a young married woman, as a young mom in the church, and yet seeing what's happening in the culture, seeing how even in the church, we can get off track and get into some weird ways of thinking about things, not intentionally and with good motives, but still how how easy it is to caricature what it means to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And those tensions in my heart and then seeing them worked out in the women around me and in the culture at large just really gave me a passion to say, let's let's think through this as clearly and as biblically and with as much hope and love and joy in Christ as we can and help women find peace, not only with God, but peace with themselves. There's just so many women who are not at peace inside about what they've been made as. Yeah, it's totally true. And especially in the church. I mean, I know everywhere, but that's not surprising to us, right? It's not surprising that the that people who don't have the truth would be uncertain about who they are, right? Like that's been in existence since the beginning of time. But when you see so many people, even in the realm of kind of Christianity and, and who are professing believers, really struggling with these questions of like, well, what am I made to do? And is it is it just this or is it just that? And is this okay or is this not okay? I think it's indicative that there are some conversations that maybe have not been had in a long time that need to be unearthed. And and so I appreciate that you're kind of leading the charge in a sense and doing that. So one of the quotes that really I loved so much uh, when I was reading, one of the first ones that stood out to me was, that God made you a woman is an essential part of the story he is telling about himself. That speaks for itself, but I would love for you to just unpack what you mean by that and what that means to you. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, what I what I mean is just that when God made the world, when he made everything in the world, including men and women, it's a form of revelation. And so that word revelation is, just means revealing. So when God speaks, he's revealing himself. And when he speaks the world and people into existence, he's telling us things about himself. He's pulling back the curtain on what he's like, who he is. And so when he speaks people and male and female into existence, he's showing us something about himself and about this story that he's telling. Mm -hmm. And he chose to tell the story about himself by making male and female, man and woman. And there's something important and meaningful about that as it relates to God. And that's really what I want people to see is now don't take this the wrong way. I'm going to say this is going to sound really weird, but a different God, a different kind of God wouldn't have made a woman as part of revealing who he is. Right. The true God, Yahweh, our God, created male and female as part of his revelation to us. Um, And so I think that's important. And I just think it's incredible. What an awesome thing that God made men and women to start to tell us about who he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautifully said. And I believe that that's true because God doesn't do anything that is unnecessary. You know, everything he does is perfect and purposed and intentional and nothing that he does is without a divine purpose that is way beyond our understanding, right? I mean, we know, yes. we can see from his created male and female that there is some there is something for us to know about him in that. 
But even more than that, there's like, there's so much that we can't understand and, and won't ever grasp this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. And so um, I love that. Yeah, that you're, you're just pointing out there that, that there is something that we cannot know about God, unless we understand his creation in the true way that he intended it to be understood. That it perfectly. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the world is, um, and, and culture, which this has been, this is not just our culture. This is sinful human beings for all of time have been seeking to say that the only way we can have unity or equality is through homogeny and through right. all being the same. And so there is a real hatred. I believe there, there's a real hatred for what it actually means to be a woman today for, to to even be a woman there is there is like a general just distaste and dislike of the fact that women are different than men and that there is even a thing called a woman you know and and i think that the definition of what it means to be a woman as created by god is totally just being dismantled by the world and and many christian women and you know us included are kind of seeing that happen but some are even kind of assisting in the dismantling of that. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that and what is happening today in culture in, in regards to the definition of being a woman. Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing Romans 1 played out before our eyes. In Romans 1, God, uh, Paul says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness are suppressing the truth about God. And so God says, when he creates the world, he says, things about me can be known because I've made this world. And so we're all accountable to God merely by the fact that he made us and created the world. We can look around at what's been made and say, there's a God. I can perceive that there's a God who made this and I owe him my allegiance. God says that every human is without excuse merely because he made the world and us. And so that's what Romans 1 tells us about. But because we suppress that truth, even though we've been made, we're here. I didn't do anything to create myself. I didn't make myself exist or be here or be a woman. I didn't have anything to do with it. I know somebody else did that. But because we suppress that, God gives people over to the lust of their hearts. He actually gives them over to a debased mind that can't think properly. And so, and the reason for that is because they worship the creation rather than the creator. That's what Roman Romans one says. So the way I think it's helpful to remember to think about this is that hatred of God always leads to hatred of self. It's counterintuitive because we're actually idolizing ourselves But because we aren't really worthy of being worshipped, and we know that inside, we do know that, we end up hating ourselves because we can't up to our own expectations for ourselves to be God. Mm -hmm. But what happens is hating God forces us to hate how he has made the world. And that includes how he has made us. Because he's made us, our bodies, our sex, our appearance, our souls, in order to dethrone God We have to remake ourselves as something different than what he made us. It's basically an idolatry, a self idolatry of self that collapses in on itself and destroys itself uh, because we have to destroy what we've been made as in order to make ourselves God and to say that we make ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's insanity. It's futility. And that's what Romans one says. We have been given over to the futility of our minds, which is why people are actually ruining their bodies. They're, they're having their bodies surgically altered and doing many things to actually harm themselves in order to make themselves God. And so, yes, the world hates women hates how they've been made. It also hates men mm-hmm. and hates how they've been made. And anyone who says that God is the maker and that as the maker, he has rights over what he has made will be hated by the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all so good and true. What's hard, what's been hard for me is I don't have as hard of a time being hated by the world because I expect that, you know, but what is harder for me to stomach or swallow is when I hear believers and friends of mine who are who I know are believers who are Christians 
kind of bemoaning the status of women. And they're not saying like the definition of how, what is culture telling me about women? They're kind of saying we're being held down. We're being held back. There's inequities, there's inequalities, there's not equal pay, there's not equal rights, there's not equal abilities between men and women, and everything should be equal, everything's not fair, and our culture is doing this to us, and all of that stuff, which just as a side note, yes, there is sin, yes, there's brokenness, and yes, there are injustices, like I'm not denying that at all. Um, and there's real inequities that I've never even experienced in my own life because of the way I've been raised and and who I married and that I'm not a single mom. And, and I know there are real, real problems. But where a lot of it feels to me to be kind of originating from is this fundamental distrust of God's design of who we are, like a distrust of what God intended or that it was good or that our you know, propensity as women, and and you just see throughout history, the fact that historically women have stayed home with their children or have been the caretakers of their homes and have, cre- you know, helped create an environment in their homes that where people could flourish. There's just kind of a, like a disdain for that. And it's, I guess it's just, it, it's saddening to me, but it also com- sometimes makes me angry. Um, and that's where, you know, my own sin is, is rising up and going like, well, you know, it can be from a place of self-righteousness even, but yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you, I mean, you wrote this book for Christians. So I imagine you wrote this book because you did see some of these lies of culture kind of seeping into even Christian circles in, in the general psyche of kind of Christian women that that it's so easy to to hear these messages that the world is telling us and absorb them as true and be and kind of to fly the flag you know f- whatever that flag is like that's gonna be the song of our generation you know instead of just the the gospel is that is that something that you see yes I relate very much to what you're saying I do think it's harder to hear from other Christians. Mm-hmm things that seem to bump up against what the Bible's clear message is. It's much harder to hear that from fellow Christians than, of course, it is from the world. But I think you're also absolutely right in that we have to keep our lines really straight and make sure we're speaking that we know who our audience is when we talk about these things. So Mm -hmm. like you said, sin is real. And so women have been oppressed, sinned against, even mistreated in the church. And those are things that God is clear that he wants us to change, right? not through taking up arms and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, forcing our way through, but through the proper channels and the authority of the church. And it may be that we're in a, we're in a bad church. That mm-hmm. may really be the case. Yeah. And if women are in churches where uh, the male leadership is really hurting women and not teaching what's in the Bible and not using their authority in a way that is proclaiming the gospel, shepherding the sheep, doing all the things they're supposed to, then I would say it might be time to consider after trying to go through the appropriate channels in your own church, might be time to consider a different one. I'm not in favor of church hopping, but I'm just, I'm trying to say there are different circumstances that would need different types of solutions. But I think for women who are in otherwise good churches, not perfect churches. No perfect churches exist. There will always be sinners in your church because you're there and everyone else is too. So not perfect churches. But if you're in what is basically a good church of good faith in the Lord, trying to follow the Lord, and you're still really striving after some things that the Lord has sort of said, you know what, you need to lay that down. I've made you a certain way then that's just one of those hard areas where our discipleship, actually the rubber meets the road because Christ has told us that to be his follower means to die to self. Mm -hmm. It means laying down every single right that we think we have. And if we think flourishing is getting our way or being given certain opportunities or having our voice magnified and heard, we have an opposite definition of discipleship of what Jesus did, because Jesus said discipleship is taking up your cross, dying daily and following him. That's his definition of flourishing in this life. Mm -hmm. His definition of flourishing is not a woman getting exalted above all and her voice magnified and heard. His definition of discipleship for men and women is dying daily to self and being found in him and having a righteousness not of our own, but that's his, and walking in the obedience of faith. So to the women who are 
in that second category, the one that I would, that I look at as a striving category, I would just say, you got to get back to the basics of what discipleship is Mm -hmm. and what being a follower of Jesus is. And once we're there, then maybe we can have a conversation about what a woman, what the particulars are about what a woman can't do. That's kind of later down the road after everybody has laid down all their rights, because that's what Christians do. We lay them all down at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, so true. And it's so hard. It's not like I'm not claiming that that's easy. I mean, that's like, oh, the, goodness, no. you know, that's like why life and motherhood and all of the things work. Uh, that's why these are all so hard because yes. we are dying daily to self and not even just daily, but moment by moment and minute by minute in my mm. house. I mean, yes. like the scripture says, like from we are being moved from one degree of glory to the next. And that is it is through that sanctifying process of moment by moment, minute by minute mm-hmm. sanctification mm-hmm. that we are being made more like Christ. And so yes. it's not pretty. It's really, uh, it's really messy. And it's at times really ugly from our perspective. It's like, I just see the death of so much, whether it's the death of a dream or a desire or a plan or an intention or something that even is good to, you know, to, something that seems unfair, like whether that's my, you know, it could be as simple as a kid not napping or as terrible as, you know, outright disobedience, like, Mm -hmm. or, you know, that's, I'm only in the little years. So I'm not even dealing with like the issues that mothers of teens are facing. So it it is that dying daily to self. Uh, I love how you put that. So I, I think it's, you know, and, and I know what I said earlier, probably, made some women real uncomfortable that I'm saying there isn't injustice or like there isn't any such thing as inequalities that that are wrong or are sinful. And that's that's definitely not what I'm saying. Because I know that even I how I was raised and the environment that I was raised in was maybe a little too extreme on one end, but then I realized that other women are coming from the other end of the spectrum um, mm-hmm. where we either kind of we either hold women down or we exalt them too much. And there's an either ditch is wrong. Either ditch to fall into is can really lead to a lot of bad teaching, mistreatment, sin, and just outright mm-hmm. not glorifying God at all or his intent and his purpose and how he designed us as male and female. And as a people who are together representing him and imaging him. But how would you respond to the women who do feel like, yeah, but I have so much of that that I literally, I mean, I can't unknow my past. So how do I deal with the fact that let's say before kids, this woman was a full-time working mom. And when she decided to stay home with her kids, she heard all kinds of things like, Oh, really? Like you're wow. Wow. Are you sure that's a good idea? And just, Mm -hmm. and feels so judged for her choice to stay home or on the flip side, the mom who has to work to help support their household and feels so judged by the homeschooling moms of the world who are like doing all the things they feel that they should be doing or other people think they should be doing and having come from, you know, a homeschool community myself, like I know that some of that is real, like some of it is real and some of it's imagined. But how, what would be your encouragement to women on both sides of that fence that feel like they're coming at this with so much real or imagined baggage and pain and hurt? Yes. Oh man, this is a real thing. It absolutely is. And, and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest encouragement is to remember that we don't live for the approval of each other. Mm-hmm. So we are not seeking to please man. Mm-hmm. We're seeking to please God and his approval. Paul talks about this a ton in First Thessalonians. And it's so beautiful to see freedom that we can have from needing the approval of others. But it, the thing about being freed from needing to have other people's approval is that we don't get arrogant and flippant flippant about other people. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we say, I don't care what you think. And we're just kind of off on our own thing and, and sort of have a chip on our shoulder, don't care. But it's that we truly are living to please God. And we are still seeking good relationships with the people around us who are different from us. Mm -hmm. We aren't trying to say, and now I'm going to villainize you because you do it differently. We're seeking to understand what God has called each of us to in our own life and to live in a way that's truly wise because we don't get to choose the circumstances of our life. We think we do, but we don't. A woman who is a single mom or who 
husband is disabled, or you can think of all different kinds of circumstances. And hopefully we all have friends who are in these. So we have actual people in our minds that we ought to be thinking of who we care about. And we know that these dear sisters of ours, have God has given them a circumstance mm -hmm. that they didn't choose and that they are going to have to walk faithfully in. And so that could very well mean taking a job that they don't love it could mean hours away from their children outside of the home so that they can have a home. Mm -hmm. And that is a beautiful expression of faithfulness to God and of serving him and living for his approval and for the well-being of the people around her. And then there are others who also did not choose their circumstances. Uh, people like me, whose husband is working. And so I am able to not have to worry about making money help support us. I can do some things here and there, but it isn't an absolute necessity that I pull an income in. Mm -hmm. That is a massive, massive blessing mm -hmm. that I didn't do anything to earn or achieve or choose. Yeah. And so what does faithfulness look like for me? Well, it's yeah. going to look a little differently than for the other woman that I just talked about. We Either one of us chose or earned or are being punished by our circumstances, but God has set up some different things. And in humility to walk alongside each other in love, man, that is what Christianity is all about. They are to know that we are Christians by our love for each other and by our building up of each other to, to be equipped to walk faithfully in those circumstances. But we just, we absolutely have to uproot, take up by the roots, our desire to please people and to be approved of by men, people, men or women, especially our peers. And then we have to plant the roots deep down in the soil of we are held fast by our approval in front of God, mm -hmm. not people. And I think that will free us from that insecurity that we have about people who are doing it differently than we are in these areas that are negotiable. Like, yeah. And so you just want to make sure that you know who you're living for. Mm -hmm. I, I think I heard someone call this whole phenomenon. I can't remember who this whole phenomenon of thinking that you're being judged by people who do it differently like the mutual insecurity that we have, they call it mutual insecurity. So it's just basically assuming that because someone does something differently, they're judging you. Yeah. When they might be, you're right. It's right. true. People do that, but they also might not be. And so better to live as though they aren't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really a good reminder for all of us because there is an assumption that we are, and, and we judge differently. The Bible says God does not judge as man judges. He looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's so important to remember when you as a stay at home, work at home mom feel judged by your friends that don't work and are able to do better jobs of clean, keeping their house clean and keeping the laundry going and planning more yep. meals and doing all that. And you know, and, and that's real that some women do that better than me. A lot of women do that better than me because I'm juggling a little bit more, but I shouldn't look at that and go, well, they're probably thinking I'm a terrible person. I think, you know, what my, what I want to, you know, err on the side of is uh, Luke twelve forty eight to whom much is given from him much is expected. So if mm -hmm. I'm entrusted with the skills or the abilities to serve you know, my audience, which in this case is women or in my web design business, my clients, if I'm entrusted with those skills and am able to use them to not only help provide for my family, but also to even enjoy something that God made me good at and create beauty and create order in the world, I should look at that and go, I've been given a lot. And so a lot is expected of me. And that doesn't mean I have to work for my salvation, but it means that I need to give grace to others who don't have the same calling as me or don't have the same, you know, assignment, I should say, as, as I do at this stage of life and not say to the mom who isn't doing any sort of work that earns a paycheck. Well, you're not doing as much, you know, like I should look at what I have been given as a blessing, not a right and not, yep, this is my right as a woman to work. No, this is a blessing. God gave me skills and abilities and interests and passions. And that is a humongous blessing that I do not deserve. And I do believe that he gave all of us various gifts. I mean, the Bible tells us that mm -hmm. um, the spirit does give us gifts. And so some of those gifts don't necessarily get you a paycheck. And it doesn't mean they're not as valuable in the sight of God, because again, he judges the heart. 
not the bank account. (laughs) So I think it's just showing like our propensity to kind of put value in the same places that the world puts it and say, well, you know, you're only really super productive if you're having a job and raising kids. And otherwise you're, you know, you're just lazy. That is a real sentiment in culture. Yep. And we as Christians, like, I, I mean, this may sound trite, but we should know better. You know, I mean, we, we have the truth. We should know better than to kind of take those lies and internalize them as truth and then live out of a place of trying to prove to everybody that we're not that. Or like, like you said, to, to live for the approval of men. Prep Dish is a meal planning service that helps you save time and be efficient in the kitchen, something every mom needs desperately, right? You can choose from gluten-free, paleo, and keto options to receive stress-free and tasty meals every single week. And the special thing about Prep Dish is that you're not just making meals every single night. You are prepping all of your meals on one day. So for instance, on Sunday afternoon, you prep all the meals. And then during the week, you can just go to your stash and pick what you want to eat. Now, I know I don't have to tell you, if you are a busy mom, not having to figure out what's for dinner every night of the week is a game changer. Um, It just simplifies your week and makes it so much less stressful. Let Prep Dish do the planning for you with prep ahead instructions and a grocery list. And listen to your favorite podcast while you prep your meals for the week. Go to prepdish.com slash kindled to get a two-week free trial. So there is, and and kind of jumping off that, there's a groundswell in maybe spiritual communities. I mean, for sure, you open up Instagram, you're going to see this, of uh, this idea of like truth telling and showing up and just kind of, I I don't even actually know what truth telling means because I'm not sure that it means anything. Um, But really, what it looks like is just a bunch of people telling their own truth. (laughs) It's not, it's it's lowercase t truth, you know, not capital T truth. And, And I think particularly we see this in women, like, a thirst for truth, a thirst for meaning, a thirst for purpose. We see so many women just, you know, the influencer world, like I know there are male and female influencers, but I see particularly heavy on the side of women for sure. Why do you feel like that's happening now? Why today? Like, why is it? Is it just that we we have the digital means to spread these messages wider, further and faster? Like, why does that feel like it's kind of taking over the modern psyche of what it means to be a woman and what it looks like to tell the truth? Like, why, why is that happening? Yeah, I don't know if I can get into the why. It might be yeah. above my pay grade, <laughs> um, except for sin. Yeah, because I... I would even question whether or not most of what's being said is lower T truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just call most of it not true. Uh, <laughs> I think the thing that what what you notice over and over is there's this emphasis on speaking your mind. I'll call it that speaking your mind mm. as a form of bravery mm. or as a form of courage, but that somehow in order to spout your mouth off, you have to be, brave and courageous. I actually think that's not true at all. I don't think it's, it takes much bravery at all to say your own opinion and your own thoughts about things. I think that's what we are all naturally bent to do. And so there are a lot of women, yes, saying what they might call their truth. And then they're calling it really brave to do that. And especially for some women who have been associated with the Christian world or would call themselves maybe evangelicals mm-hmm. who have basically now said things that aren't go very much against the Bible. They're walking away from an orthodox understanding of what the Bible says about a lot of things, and they're doing it publicly. There's only a few of these that I'm personally aware of, although I'm sure there's many more. But they look back, they've left, and people are saying, hey, that's not right. That's not true. Please don't follow her as she walks away. Mm-hmm. And they look back and say, look how brave I am. I'm, I'm walking away from this. And it takes a lot of heat to do that. Mm-hmm. That's somewhat true. But what the bigger picture is that they don't point out is that they're walking toward something much bigger, which is the world that is giving them loads of affirmation and strokes. And they are walking into the wide road. Mm -hmm. And so to say that it's brave to go and do what everyone else in the world is doing, 
makes no sense. That's not brave. Right. You're doing the exact same thing that will get you full approval with the world. It's, it's not brave. Yeah. It's brave to stand firm. It's brave to say, I refuse to give my own opinions in lieu of God's word. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of guts to say, you know what, what I think doesn't really matter, but what he thinks does. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that as clearly and as lovingly and as often as I possibly can. That takes a huge amount of courage because you won't win friends and influence people by doing that. Mm-hmm. You will create a fork in the road for people and they will view you as the problem, not, yeah. not even God. They'll view you as the problem. And so that takes a lot of bravery. And that's what I think women are, especially Christian women um, who have God's spirit, are desperately needing. They need people who are willing to say, let's stand here together. We have been equipped mm-hmm. to stand fast. We actually can do this because we have Christ's spirit and we can do it not just as sufferers, which yes, there will be suffering involved, but we can do it with great joy. There is incredible joy that comes from fellowshipping with Christ and being reviled. Yeah. Unmatched joy unmatched. And I wish women would get a taste of that. Yeah. James 4, 4, uh, you adulterers, do you not realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Yes. And yes, yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head that it is, you know, his way is through the narrow gate. Another reference that came to mind when you were talking, which you were referring to is Matthew 7, 13 for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. That Mm -hmm. road is very populated with lots of friends who will be so happy to see you join them and so happy mm-hmm. that you have laid down your your you know uh your cross and taken up theirs and the join them on that very broad road to destruction and death and separation from God and eternal damnation i mean and if that sounds harsh to you i mean it's not even as harsh as the bible puts it so Um, you know, and and I, I know that, you know, you, you say that outside of a Christian podcast and you're a bigot and you're hateful and you are, I mean, there's just, there's no room for truth in culture, but we're not living for their approval. So yeah, I just, I'm glad that you wrote this book at this time. And I know that it's not going to be an easy road for you to walk either living out like that calling even uh, that there will be, and and are already a lot of people who are not going to like it and will view you as an enemy. But God told us that that would be true, right? He already told us. So, you know, we Right. And I think that that is something I would just love to say to Christian women is stop playing games with Jesus. Mm. So if you are in this for mutual strokes. If you are in the Christian world because you want people to approve of what you do and like you, and you want it to be 100% encouragement all the time, every day, constant uplifting talk, I would ask if you have counted the cost of what being a Christian really is. Yeah. Because that's not the picture of a disciple of Jesus that we see in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not telling anybody to go out there and be a jerk. Do not go out there and be a jerk. If people are (laughs) going to revalue you, it ought to be because you have represented Christ, Mm -hmm. not yourself. So that is not the point. We're not out there as pot stirrers or, or divisive people. No, 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 no. But we do need to think about the fact that the spirit of Christ in us Mm -hmm. creates a fork in the road for people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of women who desperately love, love, love to be the aroma of Christ when it gives life, mm. but they cannot abide the fact that being the aroma of Christ also means that to those who are perishing, you are the aroma of death. Mm. That's what we're told in the scriptures, that to some Christ in us is life and to others Christ in us is death. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be able to say, I am willing Christ to be the smell of life to some and the stench of death to others. Mm-hmm. And that's you, that is you. And I'm willing to do that because you're worth it because there's joy in that. And so I just, yeah. man, I want, I want women to get a sense of the joy that comes to in, in just testing authentic through that, mm-hmm. proving to really be his because you have walked through that. Right. 
And I think that we should, you know, again, not to glorify, you know, making enemies for the sake of being diabolical or subversive, but I do think that it's worth asking and looking at your life with a discerning eye and a critical eye and going, do I have anyone that it, that I am making uncomfortable with the truth? And, and I think that if we are living in the world and not of the world, the answer should be yes, because mm-hmm. we should be interfacing with people who are not just like us and don't agree with everything we think or believe. And we should be speaking the truth in love. And so, I mean, yes. if you can't say yes to that, then maybe you just need to get outside your four walls or maybe when you're outside those four walls, you need to speak up. And when you hear talk that is maybe seemingly harmless, but you know, isn't really true to say something else, say something different, you know, offer another perspective. And again, not to be right, not to win an argument, not to change minds because only the Holy Spirit can do that, but to represent Christ. And even in so much as to die to yourself, because we all just want to be liked, you know, we all just want to be so easy and so lovable and likable. And, and I mean, this entire world of social media is based on likes. That's what we all want is we want to be liked. Mm-hmm. And Jesus told us that the world would not like us if we represented him. And so, you know, I, I, again, I'm not trying to idolize or um, like lift up on a pedestal, this idea of being like a black sheep or something. That's not the point, but the point, I, I do think that it's important that we, especially as women who are kind of, you know, a lot of us are at home a lot of times with our children. We don't ever have to rock any boats. We are, you know, only teaching what we believe to people who have to obey us and and agree with us in our homes. I just think it's important for especially believers at this point in time, more than anyone else, to not just cower in fear or shame of the gospel. Like, do not be ashamed of the gospel. I sense that a lot in believers and, and true believers, like not even people who are just pretending, but a lot of fear because the world is yes. a scary place to be a believer and to speak the truth. But it was when Jesus was here too. And that's why they killed him. I mean, right. exactly. It, it's, it hasn't changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a great article that just came out, I think this week uh, by Greg Morse on Desiring God. And it's, I think the title of it is something like we, we murder with words unsaid or something like that. And the, the point of the article is that they did a poll on millennials, Christian millennials, and something like a majority of them believed that it was wrong to evangelize, mm. that it was wrong to tell people. Wow. And it was just fascinating. And so he talks about just our unwillingness to speak the gospel to people Mm -hmm. uh, because we won't talk about hell. We won't talk about these things. And he really, really hits on the fact that sharing the gospel and saying these things that can be hard is absolutely an expression of love. Mm -hmm. If we really believe that this is true, then we should be compelled, compelled by our love for people. And what if on the judgment day, these people were to look at us and say, you knew the truth, Mm -hmm. you knew, and you didn't tell me, you knew. And so he talks about that in the article and it's just powerful and convicting. And I needed to read it. I'm going to read it again. I'll find that. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul even saying in, I can't remember which of his letters, something about how he has preached the gospel to them and his, their blood is not on his hands because mm-hmm. he has, has opened his heart and shared the truth. And so he's innocent of their blood. And how many of uh, the people around us who aren't believers, mm-hmm. could we say that about that? We have opened our heart and shared the truth. And so we are innocent before, before God, because we have told them the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, that's convicting. I I'm very convicted by it. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are, you know, I mean, I know for me, I would, things that would keep me from being vocal about what I believe in a, in a context that I know it wouldn't be welcomed or accepted would be, I don't think I can really change their mind. And so I'm just not going to open my mouth, Mm -hmm. which you're right about that. You're right that you can't change their mind, but God didn't ask you to be the Holy Spirit. Like he's not asking you to do something that he intends to do himself. It's just, I I think of like how he asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and Jonah, he, you know, he obviously went the other way, didn't want to go. And then he got (laughs) pulled back in by God and he uh, eventually unwillingly kind of went to Nineveh. And I've heard sermons preached on this, like that what he actually said to them 
was a very unfeeling, like uh, uninspired message. He just kind of obeyed God, like bare minimum. I'll tell him what you want me to say, but I don't, you know, I'm not really like super excited about this. I think he says something like in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And that's it. That's all he says. Yeah. Right. And, and yet like with that, God saved them. Like I, all of them, like, and so, yes. Do we think that God only asks us to obey because we think that the the ultimate and final um you know conversion of of you know the world is going to come through our hands like then that's a misunderstanding right. of our role as believers like mm-hmm. we are not the holy spirit we cannot convict we cannot show people their sin we can't open the eyes of their heart and i did used to believe that i could for sure in high school mm-hmm. i would get into some major arguments with the intent to win and winning looked like you admit that i'm right you know and i i found that that was very fruitless yeah. and um <laughs> by the time i was in college with 3 roommates that were all in different sororities, none of them believers, and all of them going to various parties every weekend, I realized like, oh, I cannot, <laughs> like, I cannot convert you. I I can't. Like, all I can do is share the truth with you in love uh, and and let God do the rest. And maybe he will do it and maybe he won't, but that's mm-hmm. not up for me to decide. I'm not the potter. And, yep. you know, and I don't get to decide what you become. And, um, and so I think it's just a, a misunderstanding of our role that we think if we can't enact the change or guarantee the change that we shouldn't step out in faith. And that's just missing out on so much that he's asked us to do and so much that he will bless us with through that, right. openness, you know, and just yes. for our own selves, there's so much growth and beauty that comes from being obedient and dying to self through that obedience um, that I've seen in my own life that, is just motivating to me. And, and again, it doesn't mean you have to go out and just like, you know, get your megaphone and stand on the street corner. That's actually not what I would say to do. Um, but you know, to have meaningful and thoughtful conversations and and mostly to ask questions. Like I really Mm -hmm. think that is one of the best ways, um, to evangelize truly to, is to take the roof off as, as Francis Schaeffer says to you take the roof off of someone's presuppositions about the world by asking questions that point them to the fact that their own beliefs do not work and they fall Mm -hmm. apart and they crumble. And when that roof comes off, the rain comes in and they feel it and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I, I guess that doesn't really work then, you know, okay. If, if moral, if morality is subjective, then if my morality is to come in and kill your children while they're sitting at the dinner table, then that's just my morality. That's my truth. So is that okay? Well, no, that's not okay. Oh, okay. So then what is okay? <laughs> you know, like how, who gets to decide who gets to decide what morality right. is and what's good yes. and bad. So anyways, get me on a yep, soapbox. Well said. So. Um, good stuff. Yeah. So uh, any, any other thoughts from you on how we can do that in love with our sisters, with friends that we know are, are believers and, and even friends that we aren't sure? How can we speak mm-hmm. the truth in love? How can we point people to that narrow road without trying to be the Holy Spirit himself um, in their hearts? Yeah, I think pray a lot. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, Paul was so compelled by love. We just And so I think a big check in my own heart is am I being compelled by love or like what you were saying earlier, am I being compelled uh, by a need to defend myself? Mm. Am I defensive for myself or am I compelled by the free gift of God's love? Mm -hmm. And so those I think are just good questions to check ourselves with, you know, depending on there are going to be people out there who are, who have no problem with, the controversy and stepping in and saying the truth and getting mm-hmm. into the arguments, not a whole ton. Cause I think that's a little rarer personality for women, mm-hmm. um, but there will be some who that is their issue that they need to temper, that that is the thing that God wants to work on in them. Yeah. And then there are going to be a lot of women who are just dealing with fear, mm-hmm. flat out fear, too afraid to speak up, afraid to trust that God has them in this. Um, and so no, what your sin bent is, or, or just even what the temptations in your own heart are for that are holding you back from truly being Christ's ambassador and, and allowing him to make his appeal to others through you. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's what I try and do is pray. And if I, if I am having conversations that are difficult with people to run them by people that I trust. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask my husband, I'll say, I said, this was I out of line. Does that mm-hmm. sound harsh? Mm-hmm. Did I push too hard or 
was I afraid? Did I not say the truth when I had the opportunity to, in love, speak into that? Was I just being a coward? Um, because I'll tell you what, I actually fall into both the categories. One is, yeah. and maybe that's, maybe most women do. I'm yeah, probably do not unusual at all. And so no. most of us will probably have to struggle with both of those. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so get what Yeah. I mean, and Satan will use whatever is most available at that moment to tempt you with, but there's always a way out. You know, there's always a door out because Jesus provides that if you are his and ultimately he is the ultimate way out. But even in those scenarios where you're tempted to succumb to fear or you're tempted to succumb to anger and rage over sin, that might even be a righteous anger, but, but then you're, you know, you're going to use that to justify treating people like just an argument to be won, which again, guilty of that. But, and I think it's also helpful like you said, to pray, but also ask for discernment about where these people are at in their spiritual walk and development. Like if they are drinking milk, if they are drinking milk, you can't shove a steak down their mouth. You know, it's, it won't work. Um, now if you are feasting on those, that those richer meals of truth, um, that are found in God's word, and you are so excited and motivated, like you're going to have to ask for God to temper some of that enthusiasm to not turn off people who are, are drinking bottles, you know, because <laughs> that's real. And I'm not saying that means you don't share the truth, but just to be like the Bible says, cunning as serpents, but gentle as doves. Yes. Is that it? Wise as certain serpents and gentle as doves. And, you know, and so use discernment there and use wisdom, but be gentle in your delivery, because that's what we see Jesus doing all throughout his time on earth um, and with us. I mean, he is so mm-hmm. gentle with us. Man, that's a good word. Yep, that is so true. We've got to know who we're talking to. And yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Abigail, I'm just really, uh, I've been blessed by this book so far and just, you know, really grateful that you took the time to come on and chat about this very difficult issue. I'm thankful that you're kind of stepping out and doing what we're, what we're saying, which is speaking the truth in love. And so I just want to encourage you that God is using you and I'm just grateful that you are being obedient. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This is a gift and it's just been really fun to get to talk to you and go over some of these things and talk about the Lord. What's better? Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. You definitely want to come back next Monday as I'm going to be talking with my friend, Michelle Myers, the founder of She Works His Way. I bet a lot of you have heard of this and probably follow them on Instagram and know what they're all about. But this conversation is one that you won't want to miss. Michelle is a powerhouse and super high energy and has a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom when it comes to work and motherhood and grace, all three of the focus areas of this podcast. So it's a great interview and it's also my birthday. So you have to listen on my birthday. It's just a podcast rule. I mean, everybody knows it. So hope you won't miss it. See you next week, guys. Bye.